Hello, and welcome to the Still To Be Determined podcast, the podcast that follows up on topics from the YouTube channel Undecided with Matt Farrell. That's Farrell with an E. (laughs) I'm Sean Farrell. I'm a writer. I'm a novelist and picture book author. And with me is my brother, Matthew. Hello, everybody. Today, we're going to be talking about the most recent episode, which was Why Drive When You Got This, the Rad Runner E bike review. And this was dropped on June 2nd, 2020. June, Matthew. June. I can't believe June. it's June. June. Halfway through <laughs> 2020. <laughs> I, I, I don't even want to think about that. Halfway through 2020. <laughs> this episode is a review, but I do think that it has a lot of connective issues around it that yes. are yeah. currently evolving. And they're evolving, unfortunately, they're evolving unevenly from place to place and city to city. So depending on where your listeners are, um, there it's entirely possible that there are some people for whom bikes like this would not be allowed. Correct. And there are places where various versions of the bike might not be allowed. And then on top of all of that are questions around where are where are people where biking would be potentially unsafe? So this Correct. is a yeah. this touches on the bigger issue, I think, of uh, U.S. restrictions, or you know, not just the United States, but restrictions anywhere around this kind of vehicle or encouragement of this kind of vehicle. Obviously, there are places in the world where bicycle transportation is the predominant form of transportation. By pretty wide margin, it's like uh, yeah. one, of my, one of my patrons is from uh, Denmark. In Denmark, C- Copenhagen specifically is like the bike capital of the world. It's like bikes outnumber cars. I think it's like five to one or six to one. And you'd think, oh, it's, you know, more bikes means more people getting into bike injuries, but they actually have an extremely low bike injury rate compared to how much they bike because they have the infrastructure for it. They have proper bike lanes, you know, right. it's when you accommodate bikes in a proper way, it's extremely safe, very economical. It's, it makes you for a healthier population. It's, it's this, there's so much, so many benefits if you'd handle it right. But in the United States, we're lacking way behind on that. But there's also in, in Europe, it's kind of like, it's, it's funny. It's almost like the best of both worlds. Like some areas that were rebuilt after the world war two, took some of this into account. And then the flip side is the areas that are older than that. The roads aren't wide enough to really accommodate cars in the first place. Right. So it's like, like buildings that are really close together. It's like, it's built for pedestrians and bikes. So yeah, there are, there are parts of downtown Manhattan that cars simply should not be allowed and they are. And so you end up with these extremely narrow one-way streets, which if there are cars parked on them, become very difficult to get down um, at all in another vehicle. So it's like one car parked on the side is almost enough to block the entire road. And I, for a long time, have wondered why there are sections in in the village in downtown Manhattan, which uh, why they allow cars at all. Right. And in recent years here in New York, city they've introduced bike lanes and there's always the initial reaction of what the hell are they doing they're taking away a lane for cars and introducing 
bicycles. That's just going to make the traffic worse. And it obviously does affect the car traffic, but after about two months, you can't even remember what the original car traffic felt like. So it starts to feel the same. And unfortunately here in the city, one of the things that's come out of higher bike usage is more deaths on bikes, which are caused by people getting hit by cars because drivers are not cautious. Right. And, and the bike lanes have not mitigated that. And in some places, like I live on extremely, an extremely busy thoroughfare that was three lanes going both directions. It's basically, uh, it's almost like a, a highway sized Avenue yeah, with traffic lights. They put in a bike lane on both sides of the street. So now it's four lanes of cars going both directions. And when they put the bike lanes in, uh, people on bicycles tend to cut through red lights Hmm. thinking, you know, they'll just quickly look and assuming like if they don't see somebody coming down the side streets, they'll, they'll zoom forward as if they are uh, free to go through a red light. And there've been a lot of accidents where a car has come around a corner and is turning. And so the rider doesn't see the cars behind it about to turn and they're cutting through the app, the, intersection as the car makes the corner and then the drivers are just going too fast that's that's on the biker though because the bikes are supposed to follow the same rules as cars so that's yeah it's it's created there's it's created a, a bunch of debate which is you know bikers in the city and i think it's one of those it feels very much like a darwin theory in practice <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because biking in the city was dangerous only those people who were the most aggressive bikers would do it and so it created this breed of biker that is extremely aggressive. And now they've introduced lanes for the bikers, which allows them a little bit more freedom and ability to gain more speed in some cases. And because of those aggressive tendencies that are already inbred into that group, I think it creates that sort of like there I've, I've seen bicyclists do very reckless uh, things and I've seen them hit p- pedestrians. I've seen them do things and then they get immediately aggressive in response to that so i've seen bikers actually bike into somebody and then try to hit the person with the bicycle so i've seen weirdness (laughs) but that's you know new york city but the number of people with bikes in their homes and the number of people who are trying to encourage safe biking is growing here and that's a positive that's a positive thing but it's it's difficult when you're in an environment which is so car heavy like like the city is well, even the entire United States, the entire United States is built around cars and yeah. getting cars around. In my area, the city I live in with the city next door, there's an area that's referred to as the Golden Triangle. It's this big kind of area. And the two cities are working together on a Golden Triangle kind of rejuvenation where they're trying to encourage pedestrians and bikers. And it's going to be taking place over the next 10 years where they're adding more bike trails and bike paths and uh, official bike lanes on the roads. So where I live along some of the major roadways where I would not feel comfortable biking on cause there's, it's, there's so heavy traffic. There's now bike lanes. So I've actually been able to take advantage of that. It's, it's fantastic. And one of the bike paths is built on top of an old, uh, railway that's no longer used that stretches for something like eight or nine miles. I'm sorry, but and, I couldn't help imagine that they still have the railroad ties down. So as you're riding your bike, you're just going. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, those are all torn up. And it was just a dirt path. And right now they're paving that path. And they're actually building 
bridges for the the paths that go above the major roadways. So that's nice. It's going to be completely dedicated to running, walking, and bikes. Um, and in my video, you can see footage of some of that path. It's only partially built right now, but it's it's my area is really starting to build up and kind of double down into bike paths and bike lanes, which is really great to see. I'm reminded of up in Rochester and in other parts of Upper yeah. New York State where the Erie Canal runs. Yes. That the Erie Canal is largely used for bike paths and and jogging and and it's really beautiful it's a great it's a great place to go it's also a great um, way it's like a highway for bikes to get between some of the cities yeah i used to when i was in high school i biked uh i think it was 25 miles a day both directions to and from a part-time job and back then in high school i was actually you know without trying i was actually in shape i didn't realize it but yeah and then time <laughs> took its toll. <laughs> moves on. Oh, Sean, what happened to us? Well, I don't know about you, but I got a long list of things that happened to me. <laughs> so one of the things I, I thought was really fascinating about the bike that you reviewed was the inclusion of the pedal assistance. Mm-hmm. And the speeds at which you can uh, safely cruise, which mm-hmm. it really did start to sound like you were describing a moped as opposed it is. to, you know, it's, it's basically like, a moped. It's, it's like a moped, but you pointed out, and again, this goes back to the difference between various regions and different cities that people will need to double check as to whether or not they're legally allowed to have a bike that does yes. that. Yes. There was a point here in New York City where the mayor wanted to ban uh, that kind of bike because somebody had gotten into his ear that a lot of uh, those bikes were springing up and they would be too fast and too dangerous and it was just common sense and they should ban them. And then the pushback came very quickly from all the restaurants. We said, that's what our delivery guys use. And yeah. the delivery people, absolutely. You see, if you see a delivery person, uh, nine times out of 10, it is a restaurant owned e-bike. And you see these guys zipping along with, you know, their, uh, the pizza box strapped to the handlebars. It's really kind of funny. Well, the bike I bought is basically built for that. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's built for delivery people. <laughs> so you're going to get a Grubhub account and start delivering some food on the side? Yeah. Yeah. Make a little extra money. What's interesting to me about the comments around this video was that a lot of it was a direct response to your title. And your title was a question. So why drive when you got this? And Mm -hmm. a lot of people who had an answer to that were weather, pollen, bugs, traffic. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, people had reasons. Yes. Which I was interested in your response to that because I think I think you kind of indirectly touched on it, which was uh, car culture is very deeply ingrained here. Yeah. I think it's interesting that people would have a response along the lines of, well, here are the things that would be why you would drive instead of having this. Not one of those things struck me as so completely uncomfortable no. th- that it should remove your interest in doing something like a bike 
No. It's like, obviously, depending where you live, a bike may not be a 365-day-a-year kind of mode of transportation. Like, for me, I'm not going to be riding my bike in the middle of winter here in the Boston area. Are you nuts? <laughs> you know, snow drifts in the roads that are three feet tall. It's like, there's no place to ride your bike. It's like, I, of course, can't do that in the middle of winter. <laughs> and that's, there's a little a little head and a bike helmet just yeah. plowing through the snow. Like, what is that? Is, is that feral? Exactly. But... There's a huge portion of the year where it is a very viable option. And yeah. the whole point was it, car culture is so ingrained in the United States. It's like I have to run over to the supermarket that is literally probably three quarters of a mile from my house. I get in the car and I drive over there. It's like, why the hell am I driving three quarters of a mile? It's like right. that is just ridiculously stupid. But yet I want to make it a quick trip. So walking is just a little too long. It's like, well, now I got a bike. I can hop on my bike, get over there almost as fast as in a car but I'm not using a freaking car <laughs> to get over there. Right. <laughs> so that's kind of was the point of the video, which was there's a lot of times where it's like, you need to do something quick and, you know, why not just get on a bike and get over there fast versus dragging your entire, like, you know, most people drive SUVs and trucks now. It's like, why are you getting in a Ford F-150 to drive a mile and a half? Right, right. <laughs> to pick up a bag of groceries. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it, to can get a pull, it can pull 2,000 pounds, but you are picking up eggs, a couple of apples, and a bottle of milk. Right. That that was the point of the video. It wasn't saying get rid of your car and just use a bike 20, you know, 24-7. It was, no, there's plenty of times, you know, where it doesn't make sense to take a car out. In the same vein, uh, the thing about pollen and bugs and weather, my response to that was, unless you are spending, and ironically, we are currently doing this, unless you're spending 24 hours a day inside, living in a aren't, bubble. Those things, aren't those things you might be dealing with anyway? And as nice weather has shown up, and unless you're spending 24 hours a day inside to begin with, and obviously right now, depending on where you are, you might be doing that. Um, but the reality is that bugs and weather and pollen would be things you'd be dealing with anyway. And yep. like I spent yesterday afternoon, it's it the weather turned nice here in the city, and I spent a good portion of it in the backyard. And just to get some sunshine. And then during the dinner hour, I prepped dinner, basically grilling instead of being inside and using the oven. And as we were eating dinner, I realized that I had so much pollen in my face that I wanted to use my fork on my eyes and just scratch. <laughs> and, and even now, as I'm talking to you, I don't know if you can hear it, but I have been rubbing my eyes throughout most of this conversation because <laughs> my eyes are on fire. <laughs> you know, they have, that's not going right? to go away because they're, <laughs> yeah, well, I, I actually do have medication I need to take, but uh, like pollen bugs, weather, I mean, if you're not talking about a three foot snow drift, yeah. biking in the rain is not a sad thing. It's, you know, you have to be a little slower, but a little more cautious, maybe on wet spots, but it can be done. You, you can totally do it. It yeah, works. You will survive. I also really liked on the bike that you reviewed. And I know that stuff like this is also available for other kinds of bikes. Different companies make different products, but the number of storage things on the bike. Yeah. A really lot, a, a surprising number of configurations and really cool options 
especially like that middle console thing that you can get, it makes it look like a little motorcycle with <laughs> that thing in there because it, it's like the shape of a gas tank. <laughs> so it kind of yeah, looks and like... Yeah, it looks like it would hold yeah. a good amount. So if you yeah. went to a grocery store, you could actually get a good amount of stuff into it. And then everything from the back, the additional seat, Yeah, which you said you do have. I don't. I you don't have... That. Oh, you got a different seat. You replaced the totally seat entirely. Seat. Yeah. yeah. Would you ever consider getting that back seat and trying the the riding technique, which would basically be like, remember when we were kids and you'd get the bicycle that had the banana shaped seat. It would basically be just like that. Right. Essentially. Yeah. Would you also get streamers for your handlebars that way? That way, you know, you're going really fast when you. <laughs> well, no, what I would do is I get a paper clip and put a playing card into the spokes <laughs> of the wheel. Yeah. <laughs> and then it sounds like you're on a motorcycle. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the streamers. <laughs> yeah. Remember the streamers? I remember how those bikes would get sun bleached. Yeah. And you get you get a you know a really sweet cherry red, like oh, this thing looks <laughs> amazing. Pink. And by the end of the summer it was pink. And it was just like, <laughs> what happened? What yeah. why does it look like? Is it fading away to nothing? What happened? <laughs> yeah. I remember that I had a I had a red and white bike, and I remember by the end of like the first year, it was a pink and white bike. <laughs> For me, it the bike that I remember the most was the very first bike, which was the one that weighed like a thousand pounds that was made of iron. Yeah, it was that you crashed. <laughs> it was sold to mom and dad for me when I was. I want to say six, maybe seven. Mm -hmm. And it was a girl's bike for a kid who was probably closer to 10 or 11. And I believe it was a Schwinn and it was red and it was made out of basically cast iron. It was because it was so old. Yeah. This is the 1970s and the bike was already 20 years old. So the bike had been made in the 50s. And the thing that added even more weight to it was that it was solid rubber tires. <laughs> there were no tubes. <laughs> so the entire bike weighed close to 60 pounds. And the very first time I got it for my birthday and I remember mom and dad walking me into the, into the driveway to show me that they'd got me a bike and a bike to me at that age was sort of an abstract thing. So I remember not being excited because <laughs> it wasn't a thing like I was like, Oh, I want a bike. I want a bike. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was like, Oh, I know bicycles exist. So they showed me this thing and they were like, are you excited? And you know, Why did mom. I get a bike? Yeah. And you know, mom, mom was just <laughs> yeah. like, are you excited? And she wanted me to be excited and her disappointment at my lack of interest. And my interest was more abstract. It was just like, oh, a bike. Oh, I could, I could do this. This is, and I remember standing there and thinking, is this something I can do? Because yeah. I don't know that I can. Right. And I ended up walking it. We lived in Oneonta, which is a very, very hilly uh, town. And there's a mountain that is right there. And we lived at the foot of what was effectively a mountain. So it yep. was like, I walked this bike up the hill toward the mountain 
And our street was very steep at the one end. And I knew, I think I must've been seven. And I knew enough to say, I don't know how to ride a bike because biking is pedaling and steering. But if I take one of those things away and just do the steering, I should be able to do it. So I walked up to the end of the sidewalk. Can I just pause you for a second? Yeah. This is a different era where parenting was a very different thing. (laughs) Oh, at this point, if I had said to mom and dad, I'll be back in a couple of days. I'll you see and I you on Wednesday. Did, you if and I, I had wandered up age. the hill, yeah. If yeah. I had wandered up the hill by myself and been like, "I'll see you next week," don't worry about me. I'll go to school. Mom and Dad probably would have been like, "Okay, write us." <laughs> good luck. Uh, good luck. <laughs> have, have fun, fun. storming the castle. Yeah. <laughs> so I walked up the hill and got to the end of the sidewalk and got on the bike, and there were three houses and then an empty lot and then two more houses and then our house. Those were what I was passing. I passed the first houses and then got next to the empty lot when I knew I had made a huge mistake. (laughs) Because you were probably going 20 plus miles an hour. (laughs) And the bike weighed so much that it picked up speed very easily. And I was, in fact, steering it. It was a lot of herky-jerky steering. I was definitely doing a lot of slaloming, you know, zigzaggy. But, and this is one of those moments where I, you know, as an adult, I would think like, oh, I wish I could have been an adult in any one of those houses looked out the window and seen this little kid go by <laughs> and I was just barely keeping it on the sidewalk and I got next to the empty lot and the empty lot was, it wasn't just an empty yard. It was trees, it was and, trees bushes. and bushes. It was totally overgrown. It was, it was just absolutely wild. And I got next to that and I thought if I fall, I could get hurt, but if I throw myself off the bike, at least I'm in control. I like that's that thought went through my head. Like you can control the fall. So I got to the point where there were the bushes and it was literally like a row of hedges. And I just steered the bike into the hedges and jumped off the bike and went into the bushes, crashed the bike, went through the thicket and came out the other side, totally scratched up. Yeah. And then just went home. And walked into the driveway and mom and dad and you were little, you were standing there and mom and dad were talking to the neighbors and dad turned and looked at me and said, where's your bike? (laughs) So at this point, like they knew I was doing something with the bike, but they were not in any way paying attention to it. And dad looked at me and said, where's your bike? And I said, I said, I left it in the bushes. I don't want it. And he said, no, you're getting that bike. Come with me and show me where it is. And he walked up there with me and reprimanded me for taking the birthday present and then just throwing it away and not taking care of it. And I needed to take care of it. And I'm like, I am hurt, man. This is like, <laughs> I got, it's a stupid bike and I don't want it. <laughs> the fact that mom and dad didn't actually do that, teach you, <laughs> it was a neighbor, <laughs> reminds me, it's a tangent. But when I was 16 and got my driver's license and we had a blue Chevy Chevette that was a mm. stick shift that it was, was basically become, the car equivalent of that bike. Yes. It, it weighed 4,000 pounds. It, yeah. <laughs> it was becoming my car to drive around, 
but nobody would teach me how to drive stick. And it would always be like, oh, well, we'll teach you tomorrow. We'll teach you tomorrow. And I got so fed up with mom and dad both saying, oh, we'll teach you later. I just went out and got, in the, got the keys, got in the car and drove around my neighborhood for an hour teaching myself how to drive stick. <laughs> when I came back, I remember walking in and dad, dad looks at me and goes, where were you? And I was like, yeah. I was teaching myself how to drive the car. And they both looked at me and went, you did what? And I told them what I did and where I went. And I was like, yeah, I stalled out a couple of times on the hill over there, but I figured it out. Blah, blah. And I was like, I taught myself how to drive a stick. So I'm going to take that car out tomorrow and take my friends to the movies. Right. <laughs> it was like, this is what you get when you keep putting off your kid. Yeah. <laughs> Why am I suddenly thinking of angry Anderson in... Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome <laughs> when he yells, Master Blaster, listen to the law. Envisioning <laughs> you walking in and pointing an accusing finger at both of them. Just, yes. You didn't teach me. I taught to I myself. <laughs> so I think that the takeaway here is if you get one of these e-bikes, teach your kids how to ride it. Yes. Otherwise, <laughs> they'll they end teach up like themselves. us. They end up like <laughs> us. They'll ditch it in the bushes and they'll teach themselves how to drive a stick. Yeah. Well, this has been a very therapeutic episode. Yes. <laughs> who, needs, who needs therapy when you yeah. have a podcast? <laughs> when you have a podcast. <laughs> so I'm curious about any of our listeners experiences with uh biking currently in their cities and and the places where they live about whether or not it's encouraged and encouragement is in the form of you know cities actually taking the effort to put in stuff like this but also any stories people might have i'd love to hear their stories around how they learned how to ride a bike yeah because <laughs> it's never without pain <laughs> yes there's always that moment of like, oh, I sh should not be going this fast. I remember when I had, and it was that same bike. It was that heavy as an asteroid bike. And all of my friends, we would all go up that mountain yep. to the point where the road ended. And there were Anyways. no houses up there. It was just a dead end road. Yep. And it literally went up to an area where there used to be logging. That's what they used to do up there. So it was like, it went from blacktop to dirt and then if you went far enough you ended up um in an area where they used to do logging and then if you kept going and went over the top of the mountain on the other side of the mountain was hartwick college yep we would go up as far as the end of the blacktop and then ride our bikes down and that bike was actually the it looked like a 1950s Schwinn, but it was the fastest of bike of all of our friends because it weighed so much. You Everybody broke the sound had, barrier every time yeah. you went down that hill. <laughs> and you'd go down that hill and it was always slower to start and everybody else would take off and be ahead of you. And then about halfway down the mountain, halfway Sonic down the boom. hill, suddenly it'd be all, <laughs> and you'd just be like cruising past people and i knew all my friends had the like the banana seat chopper bikes like the big yeah. handlebars and, and they'd be all like leaning back and like really feeling it and their hair would be whipping in the wind and then i would come cruising along and just like zoom past all of them on that bike three times as much <laughs> and i remember how much trouble i got in when i was doing that 
and mom was sitting on the front steps for the first time. And this is again, like (laughs) different parenting era, but it was like the first time that she had ever been on the front steps when I went cruising by and she saw me cruise by at probably 30 miles an hour, not holding the handlebars (laughs) through a stop sign. And it was just like, (laughs) I stopped the bike. Like the, the contest was always how far could you coast? Yes. And my bike would, that bike would pick up so much speed that you could coast all the way past the first stop sign to the main street, all the way to the main street and then go around the block. Yeah. I was able to do that on that bike because it would have so much momentum. And my best friend stopped me as we were cruising down that street. And he said, your mom's calling you, your mom's calling you. And I went back and I was just like, what, what's going on? And she was so mad because take your bike, put it in the garage. You can't ride it for a week. And like, it was this whole thing of like, and I'm like, what do you mean I was in danger? Like I had never heard a word about possibly being in danger. Yeah. You know, the idea, like, like what are you talking about? Like no helmets, no, <laughs> no. No reflective this devices a different era. on the bike at all. It was, <laughs> it was like, I think that at one point, uh, dad went to a bike shop and bought a little reflector and attached it to the back of the bike. So it did have one little reflector on the back, but it didn't have any lights. It didn't have any horn. It didn't have a bell. I didn't have a helmet. There were no safety instructions. There was nothing about like, make sure you always stay to the right side of the road. Like we were cruising down the middle of the street and would cruise through a stop sign at easily 30 miles an hour. And, uh, and it was a few years after that, that my best friend, uh, did in fact get hit by a car. Oh, that's not on that that street, not on that street, but he was doing the same thing at a friend's house in a different, in a different street that went to the same main road. And he went into the street, couldn't control it, went into the street, got hit by a car and almost got killed. Uh, so it's like, that was a reality, but it was not a reality that of course, as a kid, it's not my head. I'm not yep. getting a bike when I'm seven and thinking, well, I need to make sure I follow proper safety rules. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, let us know your stories about learning how to ride a bike and what your region might be doing as far as encouraging a transition away from motor vehicles towards something foot powered. Let us know what you think about this episode or the YouTube episode. You can reach out to us on Twitter at still TBD FM. You can reach out to me directly at by Sean Farrell and Matthew is at at Matt Farrell and undecided MF. Be sure to watch the latest videos on YouTube. It's at undecided with Matt Farrell and you can find the podcast at still TBD.FM. Please subscribe. You can find us on all the major podcast providers like iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. Be sure to give us a rating, review us and share us with your friends. It really does help the podcast. The podcast helps the channel, the channel helps Matthew, and then Matthew helps me. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Happy pedaling. Talk to you next time.